Greetings, everybody, and welcome to Uplevel Your Career with Judson and Jerome. I'm Jerome Emhoff. I'm a career coach with a 10-year practice in, uh, based in uh, Palm Springs, California. Um, I'm a resume uh, writer as well. And um, if you've listened to our podcast uh, in the past, you know that we record this podcast from our homes. And so it's a little bit low tech, and you're likely to hear uh, background sounds and and, um, just the noises of our neighborhoods and our households, but that's just the convention of being um, recording from our homes and not in a studio or a sound booth. And um, it's my pleasure to do this podcast with my friend and colleague, Judson Walsh, and I'll allow Judson to introduce our topic today. All right. Good morning. Thank you, Jerome. Welcome, everybody, and to another episode of our podcast, All Things Career Related, and today we are going to talk about, well, I should back up and say last week we spoke about interviewing, and so we thought, well, what's a good next step for it from the interviewing process, and that is job negotiation. So really, that's what this is all about. How can you best negotiate for a win-win situation through salary and job negotiation tips and tactics. <clears throat> so that's what we'll be talking about today. Uh, there's a lot to cover, many facets to this topic, and we'll do our best to go in-depth and provide real examples and, and real steps that you can take as you go through this process. As we know, uh, money is a big component of any job, and to, to make sure that you're getting what's fair and negotiating that process. It is an art and and perhaps a skill uh, as well. So that's what we're here to talk about today so that you can find your dream job and be compensated fairly. Great. Jerome? Yeah, yeah. So um, I think that salary uh, negotiation is is kind of an interesting um, facet of this whole process because I think it's it's sort of the most black and white piece of the, of the process. It's, you know, uh, companies have a particular budget that they're looking to stay within when they're hiring new employees. And of course, each employee, each candidate has a, a general sense, um, if not a very specific sense of how much money they want to make, how much they need to make. And so um, it's it's very black and white, but it's the one area that isn't Although it's so black and white in in each of the respective minds, right? The employer and the employee, when it comes to talking about it, we kind of uh, hold our cards close to the vest. And there's reason for that. And I think we'll go into that a little uh, throughout this call, uh, throughout this podcast. But um, uh, one of the things that I think is really important is at the start of this process is to have sort of a salary negotiation, job negotiation um, mindset. And I think in terms of how you frame this, from a human resources perspective, we talk about total compensation. And so that entails a lot of, of um, a lot of things, right? So um, it would include, of course, your annual salary and perhaps bonuses, um, uh, things like your um, the compensation package, for instance, like health care um, coverage and things like that. Um, um, 
Justin, what what else can you would you kind of put under that bucket of um, total compensation when we're talking about uh, salary and such? Right. Well, you know, when you look at your your budget for yourself, anything you can add uh, to the bottom line is is what we're talking about in part here. So, for example, I would say commuter benefits. If you're if you're if you're taking a train or a ferry to work, you know those costs add up. Would a company right. be willing to compensate you for that, or provide some sort of commuter assistance, if you will? Right. I would also say along the commuter line, working from home, you know that would decrease your costs if you could work from home a couple of days a week, or how many ever days you you think would be appropriate to ask for. But I think something like that. Would certainly affect your spending, and uh, if you've been thinking about going back to school, for example, that costs money, of course. And maybe as part of your negotiation, you can t- talk about education reimbursement, and you know, do your best to align it with the job that you currently have, and maybe where you're looking to go within the company. As far as that education, whether it be an MBA or a specific certificate could be in project management, whatever it happens to be, um, as long as it benefits the company, I think that you have a good chance of, of securing that. Great. Yeah, those are all excellent things to think about. So I think sometimes uh, candidates, job seekers, think only in terms of just the, the dollars in their paycheck. But I um, I think expanding the view to to include these additional benefits, healthcare. 401k matching any of those things I think that's it's really um, important to think about that and and they do it like you're saying they all add up to the bottom line on some level um, and that's uh, really yeah really important to, to consider um, it, also in, in, in line with this mindset of you know negotiating salary um, I think it's important to understand that your your what your value is and that you need to negotiate from a place of of value so that your salary is tied to what you bring to the table in terms of your knowledge your skills your abilities your previous experience your record of accomplishments and that's what you're selling the employer um oftentimes when i'm talking with my um coaching clients and we're talking about you can think of one in particular um, who was really concerned about um, salary, and 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 of course uh, it, it was really important because this particular client lived in San Francisco, and it's very expensive to live there. And the positions they were looking at were um, didn't didn't always pay a lot, and so I kept hearing about the expensive you know, how expensive it was to live in San Francisco and why this particular client needed to make a certain dollar amount because of the expenses. And um, I kept saying uh, to this client, but you you have to make sure you're selling your value. The employer doesn't really care that it's expensive to live in San Francisco. They're not going to pay you more money because your rent is high. They're, they're going to pay you more money because you're worth more. Um, and so uh, 
in terms of negotiating salary, um, it's important to, to base it on uh, actually what your value is. But how do you, Justin, how do you know what's fair um, in terms of your value and balancing that against, um, like if you were coaching somebody, how would you go about working with them to sort of make sure that they're getting a salary that's fair for their knowledge, skills, and abilities, but also um, in line with what they need to make. Do you have any suggestions? Yeah. Well, I think really a key to the whole process is information. And when you arm yourself with information in terms of what the marketplace is paying, just understanding, mm-hmm. you know, the range is a, is a good start there, I would say. Um, but then how do you sell or provide and demonstrate value throughout the process. And generally there's four requirements that I've seen for for job candidates to hire someone. One, can you do the job? Secondly, do you want to do the job? So that's kind of attitude. Would you enjoy doing it? Third is do they like you? And four, would you be a cultural fit? So those are just four broad ranging um, requirements, I would say. Um, but speaking through that lens throughout the interview process so that you can demonstrate value gives you leverage. And in terms of learning about companies, uh, what they're paying, that sort of thing, there's no one source for that, but Glassdoor can be a resource for something like that. There are a number of um, organizations out there that that provide this type of information. Salary.com uh, is another one. Payscale, and I think even Indeed uh, reveals some of that information. I think they have a salary search tool that you can look at. But I think a real key to this whole process, as I mentioned, is just being prepared and, and having knowledge of what is currently being paid. And it does vary market by market. So we want to be, you know, thoughtful and mindful of that as we go through. If you're in San Francisco and you're thinking, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to move to Austin, Texas, because it's, it's a tech central as well, um, you know, just pick the, the cities that you are focusing on and tailor your search based on those cities. And those websites, um, it's been a while since I've looked at them, but they usually give like high, medium, and low ranges, right, within the city. So like if I'm a graphic designer in San Francisco, it will give me a range based on like years of experience and different different factors, correct? That's been my understanding and my experience as well. Okay. So I think in terms of being able to look at the, so these tools are great, but then you also have to be really honest about assessing your value against those tools. So, you know, understanding like how many years of experience do you have um, and what kind of experience has it been? Um, because certainly, um, you know, in, in my experience of working with a lot of people writing resumes, you know, mark, like say you're a marketing person and you've done marketing uh, for 20 years, but maybe you've done marketing for a very small operation for those 20 years, um, as opposed to somebody who's worked in a marketing department of a large corporation for 20 years. So the skills um, 
they may be similar, but they might also be very different. And so um, I, I think to your point, Judson, what's important is, you know, having information and also being really able to assess your value, um, your, your skills and, and how they measure up to the market to see, you know, to have a sense of what you really, um, what you can request uh, in terms of salary from a really authentic place. Uh, right. based on what you offer. So do you think, would you ever like um, speak with a, a colleague or, or uh, what am I trying to say? Like in getting the information, would it make sense to maybe sit down with somebody who knows you well um, and maybe doesn't, you know, that you'd feel comfortable speaking about to find out, uh, 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 speaking about salary with to find out what you should be requesting? Um yeah, well, I think so. Um, well, yeah, it, it certainly can, and you know, it, it it can be a delicate conversation. Right. Some people are very open with, you know, their salary, what they earn, and 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 some are not. So, right. I think that if you find somebody who you just completely trust, and you know, connect with them, tell them why you're asking, and to you know, let let's just. Be totally candid with one another. If you agree on that, then then I think that you would have a very valuable outcome from those conversations to help better prepare right. you for this negotiation process. Yeah, because I think what you want, uh, what I think you want to be able to do is to be is stand in your power when you're speaking of, uh, of when you're negotiating salary, and so to come, you know, you don't want to throw a number out there that seems like it's way out of left field. Um, in, in this process, because I think, um, for lack of a better way of describing it, you want to be taken seriously. And so if you're, if you're so out of touch with what you really should be making, then I think you kind of can shoot yourself in the foot. And so I think it's really, however you get this information, to be really solid about what you're asking for and, and being able to justify it based on your, your knowledge, skills, and abilities, I think it's critical. Yep. It kind of leads into the timing of negotiation, which I think we're going to get into in a little bit, so I don't want to get ahead of us. But there is a, a critical timing component on when you negotiate and when you right. don't. Right. So I think um, what's most critical in all of this is knowing your bottom line. Wouldn't you say that, Justin? Like knowing exactly... I need to make, this is what, I, this is my walk away number, whatever it happens to be. Maybe it's 75000 If they offer me less than $75,000 um, as a base salary, I just, it's not worth my time. Um, so knowing, right. and that, and that number might change depending on the company. Like you might say, oh, if it's not one of my top 10 companies, this is the ba- this is the bottom line. But if it's my top ten companies, then because I want to get my foot in the door, it might be lower. Um, so I think this is you know understanding that bottom line and what it is for you is the time. I think it's important to sit down, pen and paper, and really work through that. So you again, it's about the preparation, being prepared in the negotiation for knowing exactly what you um, what you'll accept as that bottom line. Um, do you have anything else to kind of uh, advice to offer with within that process? 
Well, I, I guess I would reiterate what you're saying in terms of knowing what your bottom line is. Um, and, but then there's also, you know, alternatives to that where if you said, okay, I need 75000 but you're only willing to pay me 65 can you go back and say, okay, I can accept that if, you know, can, you know, you incorporate a bonus of some sort or after the first six months you, you go back and, and you look at your performance and you say, okay, based on performance, can we adjust that? that sort of thing. So, you know, I think it's important to know yourself and just to know what you need. And when you, when you add all this up, does it, does it measure up to what right. you need? And, you know, I think that, you know, to a certain degree, you have to rely on your gut too, because you're right, right. there's a number of variables. You know, this company, what are the opportunities within the organization over the next two to three years? You know, professional right. development, opportunity to move up, you know, so <clears throat> there are then, a number of variables. For sure. And then within that, you know, like say, okay, my bottom line is 75, but they're willing, they're going to pay me 65. So can we renegotiate in six months after a, a review? But also you might say, okay, 65 is great. Uh, can we talk about, will you cover 100% of my health insurance then? And maybe 100% of my health insurance and, and more coverage, you know, pay a, a portion of the coverage for my spouse and my children. Or can we agree then I'll get an extra week of paid time off? Or there are other ways to kind of, as we were talking about total compensation, you know, what other perks can we add in to compensate for the, the lack of the $10,000 I'm, I'm making in the salary? You know, and what what other things of value would, would there be? Um, maybe there's a car allowance or something, um, something additional that's, that isn't dollars in the paycheck, but it's still dollars in your pocket because it's saving you somewhere else. And I think that's right. really important to think about, and that's why we mentioned this concept of total compensation rather than just negotiating salary because all of it needs to be on the table. Indeed. So when in the process does it make sense to negotiate salary then? Well, I, I would say that if you, if you had a little slogan, I'd say wait to negotiate. Uh, <laughs> just, okay. just kind of a good motto, if you will. I think it's good advice in the sense that you know, if you if you put out your salary too soon, um, one, you don't really have enough information to to know how do you bring value to that job, <clears throat> and in that conversation, you know, part of what you're doing in a job interview is demonstrating your value. <clears throat> so I would say, you know, do wait um, on that. <clears throat> um, Do you have right. another point? Staffing, well, in staffing, we used to say, uh, and I've said this to you before too, Judson, in staffing, when I worked in staffing, we'd say the first person to name the price loses because once the number is out there, it's out there. So um, if I say I want to make 80000 and the company was prepared to pay me 100000 I've just lost $20,000 without even knowing it. Um, and by the same token, um, you know, if if the company says a hundred thousand and I was ready to take eighty thousand, then they've lost twenty thousand dollars. So uh, you sort of want to put off naming the number as soon as as long as you can. Um, but 
I've, you know, I've been coaching uh, clients uh, around interviewing and job negotiation and all these things. And invariably, I have clients who tell me that in the very first conversation in the phone screen, they're asking this question, how much do you want to make? So how do you answer that question? If they ask you in that first phone call, what do you say? Well, I guess I would say be vague, <laughs> um, <clears throat> right? It's, right. A, it's sort of like what mom said, you know, if you can't say something nice about somebody, be vague, <laughs> right? Right, right. <clears throat> but but I, I would say be, be vague and broad, you know, give a range. Okay. Um, because I, you know, th- there is, this is a delicate dance and, you know, right. I would hate to mislead anybody by saying you should always do this or you should never do that. Because in this process, it's hard to say always and never. Right. Well, none of this is ever an exact science. I mean, job search, none of it's an exact science. So there aren't any things that are always absolutely true. I've often told my clients, you know, if it comes up in the first conversation, and it sort of depends on who it is, right? Because sometimes Mm -hmm. they'll be talking with a recruiter, and they may already know the range. Um, And so if they can enlighten you, that's great. Um, But... Uh, you know, if if they're pressing you, I would often have my clients say something like, you know, it seems really early, in, and you alluded to this too. This seems too early in the process to to discuss salary. I I would like to know more about uh, the particular position before we talked about salary. I don't even have an, a general idea of what what the position entails. Um, and then I've coached my clients if they press to say. You know, I would like to make a salary that's commensurate with my years of experience, my, um, my you know, uh, educational background, as well as the level of responsibility that this position entails, you know. And then, uh, yeah, if they continue to press, you throw out a range. Um, it's really interesting with this whole process, though, because, like I said before, if it's a recruiter, um, if it's a recruiter, like with a staffing agency or an independent recruiter, they already know the range. They have a pretty good sense. And so I would um, ask them, just to say, can you tell me what the, what the salary, you know, um, I have a number of mine, but can you give me an idea of, of what the range of this would be paying, uh, you know? Um, and will they usually tell you that? I think, a rec- I think it, dep- it really depends. Um, I think... When I was in staffing and we had, when we were doing direct hire and we knew the range, I, w- I would always, when I had a candidate, I would try to find out what their salary was. But if they didn't, you know, um, I would divulge the range um, unless it was really, really confidential. But I would often say it's within this range because I wanted to make sure my candidate would. Uh, be a good fit before I even move them forward. Because the last thing you ever want to do as a headhunter or a recruiter is to present a candidate to a client, have them go through the process, and then fall off because the salary isn't right. Then I haven't done my homework. So I needed to know. I either needed to know what they wanted to make or what – I needed to know what they needed to make to make sure it was a fit. So if if I needed to give them the salary range to find out, if they were a fit, um, then I would, or I would find out what they wanted to make and then say, oh, I'm sorry, you know, that's not even close, or try to negotiate with them. Um, But that's, you know, being a a recruiter, 
outside of the company. Yep. Um, right. And of course, when I would, if you're working with a, and we were talking about this before we jumped on this uh, podcast, started recording. If you're working with a headhunter or a recruiter whose sal- who's own fee is based on the salary, they're going to try to get you as much money as possible. So that's a really great situation to be in where that person will negotiate for you because oftentimes uh, they get it like, you know, anywhere between you know, uh, like around 10%, 10 to 20% of the first year annual salary is what the company is going to pay as a fee. And so, of course, I'm going to try to get more money for you so that my fee is higher. Um, but, um, yeah, so I think it's if you're the candidate, you really want to try to find out from from whoever you're speaking with what the range is. Right. Um, and then as far as the waiting I think it's mm-hmm. also important that you wait, you know, to to actually negotiate. Wait until an offer is made. You don't want to be, right. you know, having this dialogue during a job interview. No offer has been made or anything. <clears throat> Make sure that you wait till that offer is made. Um, and then even when the offer is made, I don't know that I would recommend you, you know, if you got the email with the, with the offer that you would hit reply and start that right away. I would say, um, you know, certainly express the appreciation for the offer um, and ask for some time to consider it. Yep, absolutely. And, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And and I think early on in the process, um, you know, and when I've been in this situation, um, it's been a while since I've negotiated a salary, but um, – I remember saying things like, um, you know, salary is a consideration, but it's not my most important consideration at this point. Um, I'm really more interested in what the job opportunity is, and we can talk about salary um, when that time comes. But right now, this is a company I'd like to work for. This seems like an interesting role. I'd like to learn more about it and really explore the opportunity before, you know. Um, And to say something like, you know, let's go. Let's go through this process, and if and if we are mutually interested, then we can talk about salary and come up with something that's fair. Um, yeah, but let's, I think that's know, great. Let's advice. continue this process. Um, yeah, um, because yeah, right. If it's too early, it's um, it's just too early, right? You're not going to have. There's no no reason to go there. You definitely don't want to talk about it in the first um, in the first interview. Um, at all. Um, so, so do you do you think that um, companies will try if you if you if your first interview is a phone interview? Do you think that they would try to get that range from you just to it, get you in or out of the pool? I think sometimes they will, and I think it has a lot to do with. Um, I think it's really situational. Like for instance, if. Um, if the company is like, maybe if the company is paying less than what sort of, I think companies pretty much know what the going rate is. And if they're expecting to pay a lot less than that, they probably are going to try to get you out of the running before they waste their time. Um, that would just be my general sense about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, and I, yeah, it's so hard to. It's really, really hard to um, to know how it's 
how it's going to go down. I do know that in a lot of phone screens, though, that's one of the first questions, or one of the things that they're trying to, to understand. And I think you're probably going to get it more from recruiters and HR managers and people than you would from the actual hiring managers themselves. Mm-hmm. It, you know, the people who are building the pool of candidate and they're only wanting to move forward people who are a fit, um, and salary is one of the biggest ones. Um, and I and I also think it kind of depends on your work history too. You know, uh, oftentimes, you know, if you're somebody who's very well qualified, um, you know, based on your resume, they may think you're too much, and so they're going to sort of start asking that question to see if they move you forward. So I think it's all based on the situation, how much they're willing to pay, and then looking at, oh, this is someone we can't afford, but we really want them. Let's see if we can get them. So let's try to find out as quickly as possible how much money they need to make. Mm-hmm. So I think you'll re- for each candidate, it's going to be a little bit of a different story. Um, having been in that seat of like recruiting people, um, I it was something I sort of decided based on what I was looking at in the resume. You know, um, and again, it's also interesting too because if you're a passive candidate, which means that you're somebody who's currently employed and you're getting a call from a headhunter or a recruiter, they're going to try to get your salary. They're going to ask you how much you need to make because they want to know what do we need to pay you to get you to jump ship from this company to over to our company. So, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so and, and so advice to that person, I would say, you know, be a little more transparent in that regard. Yeah. And, uh, you know, error on the on the higher end of that salary because you are in a good position if you're currently employed um you know that is definitely a good position to be in to leverage and say i need this much because normally when you do jump ship or you go on to your next company the natural progression is to get more money right doesn't always work that way but that's what you're shooting for so don't don't just go with here's what i'm making now and this is what i'd be happy with now Think bigger. Yeah. And well, I'd also and, like and to just go ahead. I was going to say currently employed and happily employed. Right? Right. So, yep. it's, it, and again, it's, that's why it's so important to kind of be prepared for this conversation before it happens and you know, to know what it is. Because if you're currently employed but not happily employed and it's your target company and they're offering you $5,000 plus, it might be worth the $5,000 plus to jump ship and go be somewhere else. So no doubt. No doubt. it's critical that you know uh, uh, where you stand so that you can make these decisions. What were you going right. to say before I cut you off? Well, and I'll just add to that comment. Um, you know, if you're not happily employed, you don't have to share that. And in fact, I would encourage you not to. No, no, no. You don't at all. No, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. No. Um, but what I was going to say um, earlier, too, was the salary ban that's out there. Mm-hmm. Some states, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it's all states now, but I know that I think it started in Massachusetts where they said you cannot, you know, an employer cannot ask you what you currently make. Oh, wow. Um, I did not know that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think California is that way now. Double check on that because there's some questions they can't ask. And they're probably familiar with what questions they can and cannot ask, but um, just know that there's something called a salary ban, meaning that they cannot ask you directly what are you making currently. Okay. 
And just because they can't doesn't mean they won't. Right. right. Good point. Yep. <laughs> right. So it's good for you to know what they can and cannot ask so that if they ask such a question, you can say, you know what, you're legally not allowed to ask me that question. So, yeah. You know, well, and, so and you, you could take a, you know, you, you can always defer the question um, like some people do when they're asked questions. They don't really answer the question. They, they answer in a different way. Right. You know, that's, Kind of common, but it is it is an option for you, so consider it. Okay, shall we move on? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay. I'm Let's looking see. at our agenda here. I'm looking at the outline, too. We've kind of jumped all over the place, which is sort of typical of this conversation, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We try to do our best to keep this sequentially. Um, what makes sense, you know, in the process. But again, sometimes you think of something like, oh, I should mention that now before I, you know, we pass over it. Right. But <clears throat> so we've talked about working with a headhunter. Um, right. And not just dollars and cents here. Um, yeah. I think that maybe um, what we can do is talking about We'll talk a little bit about the negotiation venues, for lack of a better term. Sure. You know, are you negotiating in person? Are you doing it via email? Is it on the phone? You know, in some ways, there, there won't be a lot of differences, but in some ways, there, there will be. So I think that you know, one of the values of – go ahead. No, what would be your preference? Well, my personal preference would be – Probably a combination of email and phone. Um, in person, you can read the body language, which is nice. Um, but I think in an email, you can craft what you want to say and edit it and, and get it to read exactly how you want it to read. <clears throat> and you can do some research, too. Uh, and, and you know how to wordsmith it is going to be very important uh, as well. So you have time to do that in an email. In right. person, off the cuff, you know, if you're well prepared, you'll probably do just fine. But um, I would say in an email and then say, let's, you know, let's talk next week, Tuesday about this. Because I okay. think that it's sort of like texting in a way. It just makes sense to talk as opposed right. to text because you're going back and forth, back and forth. And once you, once you lay it out there, then say, let's talk. That would be my advice. What yeah, I think a, well, I think a combination of, of conversation either in person or on the phone and email is, is important. And here's what I would suggest to anybody is um, say you and I are having a conversation and we say, okay, the, the base salary is going to be 60000 The sales job is going to be 60000 with uncapped um, potential for um, for commissions and – you know, whatever it is. I think that after the conversation, I would sit down and write an email to them, to the person I spoke with and just say, you know, thanks for chatting. And I just want to just, you know, what we agreed to, what we, here's what I recall from the phone, phone conversation, a salary of X number of dollars, uncapped commissions, the commission structure is based on blah, blah, blah. Um, 
just want to follow up and, and, and see if, you know, are we on the same page here? I think there's so much benefit to having this in writing mm-hmm. um, at some point. So, um, and I think that goes with just any conversation you're having <laughs> about these kinds of things that can be, that are sort of, or agreeing to something, putting it in writing. And that's, you know, even having the offer letter, um, making sure um, it's completely um, documented so that there's never a question about what was said. Um, it just is, makes everything um, a lot more fair. Um, I have a client that I worked with recently who um, was a contractor and working for a company, and there was, um, in the interview, this particular client actually took less money and base salary with the understanding that there was going to be a bonus and was at a meeting where the supervisor of the department the client was working for said that they were paying out bonuses. Client got their paycheck, there was no bonus. Went back to the agency they worked for to find out about the bonus and it was all very no one recalled talking about the bonus it was not in writing and it was just a really kind of tricky situation and um and so long story short get it all in writing so that it doesn't ever become a question it's, and it, and with salespeople, make sure you know what the what the commissions are paid based on and get that in writing um, so that, um, again, it, you know, so that if there's ever a question, um, and I don't, I don't want to plant any, you know, see the doubt in anybody's mind that, you know, you're going to get taken advantage of. That's not the point. The point is just that when you agree to something and you can have it in writing, it makes everybody more comfortable. We all know what we've agreed to. Um, and then make sure that stuff is put in your personnel file. Do you have any thoughts on that well i think that uh you know getting things in writing is always a good idea <clears throat> the official letter um is is really important and make sure you are all on the same page before you actually sign because if you are currently employed <laughs> you go give your 30 days or your two weeks notice and then it falls through you know that's that's a tough predicament to be in so I think that anytime you can bring clarity to the conversation through print, that's right. that's good advice. Right, right. Um, yeah, yeah. And so speaking of um, current employer, um, how do you handle a counter offer by your current employer? So you give your two weeks notice, and the current employer doesn't want to lose you, so they. You know, they start digging with you and say, oh, um, what are they offering you? We'll give you 10% more or $10,000 more, whatever, mm-hmm. if you stay. How, what's your advice on handling that? Well, I think it's, it is individual case, on case by case in that regard. I guess, you know, to really ask yourself, why am I even open to leaving this company? could be your answer because it might not be worth negotiating. If you're thinking, you know, the culture here is just toxic and I need to get out or there's no opportunity for growth, you know, there's a number of reasons. But if you're thinking 
okay, I need to get out of here uh, for whatever reason, then I would just kind of, I mean, be open to it, but don't let it go too far. You don't want to mislead people or give them false hope that you're going to stay. But it is nice to, to see what they have to say. But again, if you're, if you're ready to go, then, then go and maybe just shut down that conversation sooner than right. later um, and, and go. Yeah. You know, it's, if, it's, if, it's a two-way. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. <laughs> you first. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, if, if ideally, you know, if you were having problems with the company or you're thinking, I need to get out of here or I want to leave, you know, hopefully you would have addressed that with your manager to a certain degree to say, you know, how can I remain a happy employee, right? And it's important to have those conversations before you're ready to leave because maybe something could be done. You're like, I like everything about the company except, um, you know, I think it's important to have those conversations and and you learn how to deal with people through those conversations. You understand The, the art and the science of negotiation because some of what we're talking about here today is what you would revert to 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 handle a counteroffer. So these are techniques right. that would apply across the board, I would say. Yeah. I just, it's, It's a tricky situation, and I think, to your point, Judson, it's really important to sort of sit with why why you were interested in leaving in the first place before you accept the counteroffer. Mm-hmm. Um, let me just say how I would handle it personally so that the listeners can kind of make their own mind, but I would be really hesitant to accept a counteroffer um, from a current employer, regardless of how sweet it was. Um, only because I've heard, I, like I said, I worked in staffing. <laughs> I've heard too many stories of people who've accepted counter offers, worked another two or three months, and then were let go. Um, and it, it it happens because once you've been ready to jump ship, the employer understands that you're not necessarily a loyal employee anymore. Um, and so the counteroffer might be, you know, let's let's get them to stay a while. But that seed of doubt has already been planted. So especially if it were a work environment that wasn't exactly the most healthy, um, accepting a counteroffer might just be really... Um, a, a dangerous move in some ways. I've right. heard a lot of stories. Now, it doesn't always happen, of course. None of this is exact science. It doesn't always happen. But I think to your point, Judson, of really knowing why you want to leave is so critical in that regard. Um, right. Yeah. Now, if it's a company that you're really happy with and you're all except for salary, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say then... Um, First, before you jump ship, the first thing you want to do is to try to renegotiate your own salary, um, if that's a possibility. And all of the things we've talked about um, in terms of negotiation are important in terms of um, uh, negotiating a pay raise. 
knowing knowing what the going rate is uh, for the industry, for your city, for your level of experience, and then going in and and talking about the value you've contributed to the company, and you might you know even have numbers say, okay, I've worked on this marketing campaign which increased our market share by 25%. I worked on, you know, I developed this product. I was a key performer, a key, key part of the team that developed this product and it increased revenues, you know, by $300,000. Whatever it happens to be, go in with those numbers and say, you know, based on this value I've brought to the company, here's what I'm I'm suggesting as an increase in pay. Yeah. And based no, on... And I really do like that approach. And I think that, you know, this is when you would not reveal everything. So you don't have to tell your current employer that you have, you know, that you're considering leaving and you've been given an offer. You just go and right. you start to negotiate and say, you know, and everything you just said, you know, I've been here for a while and feel like I'm contributing on an ongoing basis and just start to talk about salary. And if, and if you can't, and again, if that's your main or maybe even only issue, if it's not doable, then then at least you have a safety net and you can say, okay, well, I got to right. go. And that's mm-hmm. a more powerful pers- position to be in is to uh, – so XYZ company has an offer on the table and it's a really sweet offer and it's more money, but you're really happy where you are. I'll accept the money. And maybe you weren't even unhappy with the money until now there's this offer on the table. Who knows what the situation is. Right. But, the, yeah. but then you go to your employer and you have a conversation. And you don't even say, right, yeah, you don't divulge it. But, but then you're in the position of seeing if you can move the needle at the, new, at the company that you are with and loving so that you don't then give two weeks notice and now get the counter offer. Right. And where you're like, Ugh, you know, what do I do? Yeah. Well, and another thing that may be happening, you know, you mentioned that you've seen and heard stories where someone has let go a few weeks, months later. Part of what is happening there or could be happening is that they don't want you to leave right away because they need some time to fill a spot, to find a new candidate and get someone in there, right? Exactly. It's hard to just lose you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you've you seem like you're not a loyal employee and I, and um, I've just heard so many stories that, yeah. and um, uh, so um, yeah, it's just worth considering. It is. It's a perception management issue in a way, mm-hmm. um, you know, as far as you not being a loyal employee, you know, but I think right. really good advice. Right. right. And I think it's, again, if you can be in the driver's seat, you know, and I think that's what all of this, all of these conversations on all of the podcasts have really been about, you know, that's why this podcast is called Up Level Your Career. It's like, how do you remain in the driver's seat of your career? How do you make really mindful decisions about how you're going to move forward um, mm-hmm. in this? You know, we spend so much of our lives at work. It's important to feel like you have a lot of control over how that all goes down. So any, any closing thoughts or anything else we need to, to go over? You know, I think we covered a lot, Jerome. We really did, and we hit all of our main bullet points. So I, I think that we're good. I guess if I could just reiterate, preparation is, is key. 
to this whole thing. And preparation includes the research, understanding what the marketplace is paying and, and similar roles to yours. You know, what's the range? Get, get the numbers because mm-hmm. the numbers are going to help you tell your story. And, and I would say, and there's plenty of articles out there, of course, you know, in addition to this podcast, there's right. a lot of information out there on how to negotiate effectively. And so I would encourage you to look at that, pick up some notes, and and really have some of these answers, well, printed out, really. I mean, write them down, mm-hmm. some of the yeah. answers. Because <clears throat> um, if you can't answer some of these questions that they're asking you in the negotiation process in terms of value and to quantify some of these things, it's going to be a much tougher sell. So just be prepared, and, uh, just like anything, and, and you'll do fine. And again, it's a, again tying the, value, tying the number to your personal value. And I just as you're talking about this, I'm remembering – uh, a client who um, did a kind of a one-on, a one-off, just one session, coaching session with me around count, making a counter offer to a salary um, negotiation. So he had been offered a salary, and he now wanted like twenty thousand dollars more, and 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 the salary he was going to be paid was already more than he was currently making. And so I said to him. I said, I have to ask you, why do you merit a $40,000 jump in pay? What have you, and because he was making a decent salary already. It's like, you need to tell me why you're worth it. And he kind of hemmed and hawed and couldn't do it. And so I said, okay, so, you know, you need to do some soul searching to see why you're asking for this more, more money. So it all these, it's not about how much your rent is. It's not about how high your car payment is or that you want to go to Europe three times a year. Right. <laughs> it's all about your value to the company. And so that, you know, do your homework, know what's, what's the going rate is and get all that information and be able to sell yourself on what you're going to do for the company. Return on investment. It's a sales call, Right. You know, you're going to invest yep. this much in me, and this is what I promise you you're going to get back in return. Um, and I think that's the critical piece. So, No doubt. What do we have, no what do we have on deck for next, next podcast, Judson? Well, we're trying to follow a sequence here to a certain degree, and we did the informational interview two weeks ago, and then, then uh, well, three weeks ago, and then two weeks ago we did the interviewing process, how to ace the interview, and now we're talking about negotiation. We're going to assume that you are going to get your next job that you interview for, and eventually you will get a, a different job. So we're going to talk about how do you gain success in the first few months of, of your new job? What are some of the things you can do to secure early wins, and what can you do uh, from an internal networking perspective to to really leverage the relationships that are there for you to to just to be gained and, and established, and really just how do you build a foundation for early success mm-hmm. is, is what it comes down to. Did you want to add any description to that at all? No, I just think those first few months are really critical because you know in so many cases it really is a probationary period, and so you want to make sure. You know, we're talking about demonstrating value, um, so making sure that you're 
um, positioning yourself as a team player, as somebody who's uh, got leadership potential and, and um, you know, seeking out mentors and all of those things. I think it's all a really important conversation. So um, I'm looking forward to that, that chat. Um, so uh, with that, I'll just say uh, thank you for listening. If you want to reach uh, the podcast, you can uh, reach us at uplevelcareers at gmail.com. That's uplevelcareers at gmail.com. You can find Uplevel Your Career on Facebook now. Um, this podcast is available for uh, – you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, uh, Google Play Music, um, iHeartRadio, and um, also Spotify. It's available on a number of uh, different uh, platforms. So whichever is your preferred way of listening to podcasts, check us out there. Be sure to subscribe if you have an option of rating or reviewing the podcast. Please do that. Please, please, please tell your friends uh, um, and uh, coworkers and, and others about our podcast. We are hoping that you're finding the information we're giving um, to be valuable and helpful. And we would love to hear from you. And we would love just having you um, share um, our information with whoever might be interested. You can find me at my website, which is the resume shop, Inc. I N K dot com. And my email is resume shop, Inc. Again, I N K at gmail.com. Jetson, please tell the listeners where they can connect with you. Thank you, Jerome. My website is careerpathstrategies.com. And my email address is Judson, J-U-D-S-O-N, at CareerPathStrategies.com. We're so glad you were able to join us today. We hope you found the, the topic and, and the nuggets that we provided helpful for you in terms of uh, your up-leveling your own career. And we look forward to you joining us again next week. Thank yep, you. Until then, stay healthy, stay well, stay inside until there's a uh... COVID-19 quarantine is over. Um, Blessings to all of you. Bye-bye.